glad that you could be a part of what we're doing here at North Church from your home. And I'm so honored to be not only uh, here part of North Church, but to have such a close relationship with Serve Spokane. I don't know about you guys, but it's a special thing that we get as a church and that we get to celebrate all of what they do to reach our community, to love our neighbors here in Spokane. And they do an amazing job giving away food day after day, week after week, clothing. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be in partnership with what they do on a weekly basis. And most of that is because of what you guys do here as well. It's those of you who serve there, those of you who give there, give financially, or maybe give uh, uh, food or clothing, that it is not just them alone, but it is us as a church coming around saying, we believe that we can impact our city for those who are uh, food insecure or impoverished or maybe homeless, that we can impact them. And so thank you so much for what you do. And we're starting a new series called Love Your Neighbor. And this series has kind of become a staple series for us as a church. It's a tangible way that not only do we learn and are we inspired to go and love our neighbors here in our city and around the world, but it's something that we get to not only give back in as well, uh, through our own service, but then also financially. And so one thing about this series and what we do is we always try and mobilize people to serve our community well. And so in a few, in two or next week, we will have serve signups that we get to do a serve week uh, that we get to go and love our neighbors through various nonprofit ministries. And I'm really excited those opportunities, we all get to come together and just serve people uh, in our community. We also, on the final week of this series, we collect an offering. Our goal is $20,000. Uh, for those of you who are online or here in this room, we all want to participate, want to have 100% participation that we would all give financially in some way. And every single dollar that we take in, every penny, we directly give out to nonprofits who are meeting needs in our community. And so, this morning, we're going to start this series by, I'm going to read two passages to you, uh, and most of you have probably heard these passages or maybe heard parts of them, and I think this is really important because sometimes it gives us a recollection of what maybe we've known or learned before, but also we can dive into a new way, and we're going to be talking about the whole gospel this morning. So let's start in Matthew 28. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This right here is called the Great Commission, in which Jesus commissions his disciples to go and reach all people around the world. And then maybe you've known this one as well. This is called the great commandment. It comes from Matthew 22, where Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, which is called the great commandment. The great commission and the great commandment, those two together creates the whole gospel. And when I think of these two things, the great commission and the great commandment, the word that comes to mind for me is evangelism. 
And oftentimes we look outward at the expense of looking inward, in which we don't sometimes examine our own hearts, our marriages, our friendships, policies, our church structures to see, are we really utilizing and believing in the whole gospel? And at the heart of the Great Commission to go and, and make disciples in all nations, and the heart of the great commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, is evangelism. Now, our image of what evangelism is oftentimes is the person on the side of the street corner with the megaphone, right, that says, turn or burn in hell. Like, right, that's our image. Or we see the people that, that might have those ugly, grotesque signs that say, God hates blank. Those oftentimes end up being our image of evangelism. And what it does is it turns us from the real heart of what evangelism is. Because even though uh, there are maybe some things that might be true, it is twisted and hateful lies oftentimes when we think of those images of evangelism. Now, according to a Barna, Barna uh, report uh, done and a study done a few years ago, they reported that almost 50% of millennials, 50% of millennials believe that evangelism is morally wrong. Morally wrong. The nature of evangelism, people feel is wrong. And here we're talking about the whole gospel to go in all nations and make disciples and love your neighbor as yourself. Yet many of us think that that is wrong. And for, uh, just so you know, for Gen X, they said that almost 30% believed that evangelism was wrong. So we have one in every two in millennials and almost one in every three to three and a half for Gen X. Now, evangelism comes from a Greek word called euangelion, which literally, the closest translation to English would mean good news. Good news. Can you feel that tension of good news being morally wrong? Do you feel that tension when we think of that? We must remind ourselves and others that we're speaking about. It's not just building a brand or building a church or getting more people in seats or, or uh, whatever that is, but we are here to embody the good news. Now, the good news, what is that? The good news declares that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the cosmos. And he's not just this nebulous, ambiguous person out there, but he is a God who desires a personal relationship with his creation. And he created everything in the world and said that it is good. And then he created man and women in his own image and said that it was very good. And then he breathed his spirit and life into Adam and Eve. And they sinned and they rebelled against God. But despite their sin and rebellion, God did not turn from them. And he kept his covenant and continued to pursue us by sending his one and only son, Jesus. And that Jesus, he walked among his creation, his people, and he showed people the way and how to live, that he forgave sins, he rescued people, and then he dies on the cross for us in our place. But then the power of God raises Jesus in three days, and the good news is that Jesus is who he says he is, and he will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. 
This is the good news. It's not just good news for me. It's not just good news for you or for the church, but it's good news for those who disagree with us. It's good news for when we're talking about loving our neighbors. It's good news for those who don't look like us or talk like us or think like us or act like us or even vote like us or vote like you. It's the coming challenge of the day that we're in right now that everything is polarized, isn't it? Everything is polarized. And what do people really want to know in these polarized camps is, are you with us or are you against us? It's good news for everyone that God cares about everyone. It is good news for the nations in the world. It's good news for Spokane. It's good news for the rich and the poor. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. So evangelism is simply sharing that Jesus is Lord, sharing Jesus loves, Jesus saves, and wants a relationship with us. I like to think of this also in like an easy way to, as just evangelism is find, tell, bring. You can think about that, write that down, whatever you want. Find, tell, bring. It's find someone you know that you're in relationship with, tell them who Jesus is or what you know, and then bring them to church, bring them to a small group, bring them to Jesus. Find, tell, bring. But it's really easy sometimes to have spiritual privilege, isn't it? Here's what spiritual privilege is, is that that means that someone at some point in your life, they prayed for you. Someone at some point in your life, they prayed for you. They encouraged you. Someone shared Christ with you. They invited you to church. They invited you to a small group. They invited you to a camp. Someone did something for you. And don't let it stop with you. Spiritual privilege is saying that I know Christ now and I have been enlightened but I'm no longer compelled to share the good news with others. It's for me. I got it. I, need, I got what I have. That's your own spiritual privilege. But it can be really difficult to share this good news with other people, to love people well, to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. And we like to put it in an easy kind of acronym that we call BLESS. Let me put this picture up here that you can see. Blessed essentially means this. If we want to share the good news, we want to evangelize to people around us to fulfill the whole gospel and present the whole gospel to people, it means that not only do we fulfill the great commission, but also the great commandment. And that begins with prayer. It means that we begin to pray about who should I reach? How can I fulfill this whole gospel? L stands for listen. That means you listen to those who are different than you. It means you actually listen to those who might sit on a different politicized camp than you do or a different polarized idea than you. It means that you listen to those who might look different than you or act different or have different ages than you, that you listen to people that you work with or that in your family. E is my favorite, like all of us, is eat, right? Like eat food, like actually build a real relationship. And then the first S is serve. Serve others. 
I, I love the heart that we just looked at, Serve Spokane, that they're, they're there to serve people. And that a part of the series, we get to serve people in our church, in our community. And then the last is share, that you get to share your story. Within this bless, how we bless others, fulfill the whole gospel, the great commission and the great commandment is by blessing others, praying, listening, building relationship, serving, and sharing. And so to do this effectively, we must, we must remember our first love. I love what Psalm 51 says. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. There are times that we must remember the joy of when we first was presented the good news and said yes to Jesus. My story was when I was about 16 years old, someone invited me to a church camp. I didn't really wanna be there, but I ended up there one way or the other. And someone I didn't knew, know very, very well, I wasn't a part of the service, I wasn't in the worship, I was hanging in the back, I was in this other room, and someone specifically came and found me and shared the good news with me and prayed for me. And in that moment, there was something that how God impacted my life, that there was someone who actually cared enough about me to come and seek me out, that then I turned and gave my life to Jesus. Now, I made that decision when I was 16 years old, but I need to remember that today when I said yes to him and the newness of life and joy that was brought in that. I need to remember it today. What's your story? How has God impacted you? Who came to you? Who shared with you? Who invited you? Was it a pastor? Was it a friend? Was it a teacher? Was it a family member? Who was a part of your story. Every day we can express our love for Jesus and it must propel us to love others well when we remember the joy of our salvation, that that propels us to share the good news. When Chantel and I uh, had both our children, our first was a little more traumatic than our second labor-wise, but we were in Sacred Heart. And as Chantel was in labor for hours on end, it was like over 24 hours, that every now and then you would hear these chimes in Sacred Heart. I don't know if, you, if you've been there and know about this. And every time you hear a chime, it's a new child is born. It's expressing that there's good news for people to know. A child has been born. And as we, as Chantel labored and we were, kept hearing these, these chimes of like, it worked for them, it's not working for us yet. But then as Grant, our first, was born and we're holding him in, his ar in, in our arms and, and then you get wheeled out and then they bring you by this little button on, on like the, the, the bed and you get to press the button and it's saying there's good news today. A child has been born. It's good news that we share. We have good news and we want to let other people know and hear and see that there is good news for them today. And then as our, your children grow, the next step that you're wanting is them to say your name. And so it was, you know, parents getting heated competitions around dad, dad, or mama, right? And it's like, Grant, say dad, dad. And, you know, Chantel's like, mama, mama. And I remember those first words that Grant said, dad, dad. <laughs> How glorious it was. 
But then when a, your child finally recognizes you, it was only a little bit later that, you know, Grant's saying, mama, dad, dad. But when a child recognizes you, the joy that it brings, those of par- parents, you know this joy it brings. When your child finally recognizes who you are and they say, dad, dad, or mama. And I just think about those times and how much joy that I have when a child acknowledges me, how much more does our Father in heaven have joy when one of his children acknowledge him and say yes? The Bible tells us that there's literally a celebration in heaven, that angels are rejoicing when just one person says yes to him. The whole gospel, the great commission and the great commandment joining together. But oftentimes a question is, well, is one more important than the other, the Great Commission or the Great Commandment? Is it evangelism or is it justice? This oftentimes is a very false binary thinking that one might be more important than the other. Both are equally important to God. Now, the whole gospel, what is it? It is that Jesus saves that we should not be timid about this good news, that Jesus saves and that Jesus rescues sinners and forgives sinners. Jesus sees you and loves you, but we must not be careful or we have to be careful not to emphasize one aspect of the gospel over the other, that we are not just a monolithic faith thinking that one thing is more important than the other. Because in our U.S. hyper-consumed centric spirituality, it's easy for us to have this isolated relationship with God that it's me and Jesus and us alone. And as long as I, once I have that and I've been enlightened and I've been saved, now it is about me and God and that is it. We must not isolate our spirituality. We cannot emphasize just one portion of the gospel. Jesus cares also for collective human flourishing. We see that in Jeremiah 29, where he says, pray for the peace and prosperity of your city. This means that the world matters to God. It means that justice matters to him. It means that immigration and migrant lives matter to God. It means that reconciliation matters to God. It means that that, um, all lives matter to him. The oppressed matter, the poor matter, the unborn matter to God. It matters to our own conviction that the whole gospel is presented well, the great commission and the great commandment. We must see the whole gospel in that it fulfills these things. Now, the younger generation, millennials and Gen Z, we love to love our neighbors, don't we? We love justice. We love to see justice take place. And that is important to love our neighbors well. But don't forget evangelism is equally important to reach those and to see those who are lost be saved. Don't forget to over or don't forget that you might be overemphasizing one over the other. Those who emphasize salvation, that it's the only thing that matters, 
Remember that even on the Holy Week, as Jesus was being led to the cross on that final week, that he ministers to the broken, he heals sick, he confronts hypocrisy, he flips tables, that justice matters to Jesus as well. Both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment matter to God. We need both of them. So let me give you this other example that we see in Acts 1, that where it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, as you look at this picture that I'm going to put up here for you, you're going to see these circles. And imagine yourself, if you can draw a little me, in the middle of Jerusalem there, that Jerusalem it is your sphere of influence. It's you a part of that. Those who are around you, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your neighborhood, that we are to go into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Judea is this larger region. It's maybe the, the greater Spokane region, or our state, or maybe our nation. It involves civic issues, political issues. It involves um, uh, hurting people at large. Samaria, that next sphere, represents conflict, division, hatred, tension. Maybe you'll remember the story in John chapter 4, I believe, where it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He must go through there because Jesus was not only going to bring life and healing and justice... But he had to go through Samaria, this area of conflict, division, hatred, and tension represented in the Jewish culture. There's animosity. And Samaria still exists today. While this might be a little bit uh, more difficult to think about, but Samaria still exists today in the sense of racism. It exists in sexism, gender inequality, economic inequalities, political divisions, we see that uh, famine and hunger and pain and sickness around our world. We see these bigger issues as well that Samaria still exists today. And when we speak about this love that Jesus has, that we must not neglect to reach the Samaria as well. That we lose people when we neglect that aspect. That our evangelism is not effective when we do not actively engage in those areas in Samaria. And then the last circle is to the ends of the earth. That means that God loves every person. Every person is his image bearer of God. It means he loves Russia. He loves North Korea. He loves the Congo. He loves the United States. He loves South America. He loves the entire world that we are all beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully made in the image of God. Now, this, let me put, paint a picture for you of what this might look like. When you think of what is your Jerusalem, when you think of your sphere of influence, let me tell you a story about some, uh, a couple in our church, the Pritchards. Now, when we think about our influence, here was their story. How did they reach the influence that they had? How did they love their neighbor well? And how did they embody the whole gospel, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment? About a year and a half ago, uh, the Pritchards, they met a woman named Jennifer in our church who was terminally ill. This, this, these are the Pritchards up here, not Jennifer. And they, they met Jennifer, and uh, she was terminally ill, and she died this last spring. 
But when they met her, they built this relationship with her. They invited her into their life group. They did life with her. They helped her financially. Bob, he connected to her by telling his own story with her about how God healed him from uh, brain cancer in that uh, he had. And as they invited her into their life group and were doing life with her, they helped her financially. They went to doctor's appointments with Jennifer. They went to appointments and treatments with her. When she was on her deathbed, she went to Montana to be with her family. And Bob drove there with her and prayed with her, prayed with the family as a pastor would. And, and Bob is a, a retired PE teacher. That would be his profession uh, in life, but saw himself as a disciple of God, someone who would love his neighbor really well. He then later planned and led a memorial service and included their life group to pay for the expenses of it and made this experience where it blessed their entire family. They presented the gospel to Jennifer's family who was far from Christ at the memorial service that was held um, in, the, in our church just this last July. Bob continues to have connections with the family and continues to reach out. We see here his sphere of influence, loving neighbors well. This was someone that he met and brought in and not only met practical needs and, and was there through hard times, but shared the gospel for people who was far from Christ as well. Now, there's one picture of Jerusalem. What's your Jerusalem? Who's in your sphere of influence that you can reach with the whole gospel well? Let me tell you about some people that you might know as well when we look into the Judea sphere, which is a broader community at large, the Spokane greater area. Maybe uh, this is John Loringer up here, and he brought his tractor over to Malden, Washington when they were, had the fires that decimated the entire city. And so John and Glendy said, we have to do something. We have to go over there. There's this city that is hurting. They have needs. People are trying to mobilize to get, have donations and meet practical needs, spiritual needs. And they said, hey, I got a tractor. Maybe I can help in some way. And so John put that on his flatbed and, and took it over there and just helped in any way. How can I clear garbage? How can I clear some of this rubble? What can I do? They helped in the, a, a little church there that was sorting donations. John and Glendy, they tried to reach their Judea, the larger sphere at need around our area. How can you reach needs as well in our larger Judea? What does that look like to meet needs maybe uh, regionally or statewide or maybe even nationally? Then when we look at Samaria, this is sometimes the more difficult picture of how do we meet needs there. And this is why I love that what this uh, series is all about, because it's not just about what we do, but it's about what the larger church and what other Christian nonprofits are doing. And so when we think of Samaria, these are people who are oftentimes overlooked. These are people who are oftentimes set aside and not reached well. And so here we partner with Life Services, who is about meeting needs of un, the unborn and about meeting needs of, of uh, teenage moms who are having that tough decision to keep their child. And they meet these really practical 
needs. We partnered with a, a ministry called Project ID, which was started here in this church years ago, which is meeting needs, having spiritual and uh, relational and practical needs for uh, adults with special needs. And so it grew so big here in the church that they actually had to get their own facility out um, in the valley, and it continues to grow. That they meet needs of people who are oftentimes overlooked. They meet needs of hundreds of special needs adults in our city on a weekly basis. And we'll have an opportunity to partner with them. Those of you who are online and maybe uh, uh, struggle with being around large groups or, or leaving your homes outside of essential uh, services or things that you might need, we're going to be able to put together care packages. Those of you who don't want an in-person or, or, or a contact um, serving opportunity, this will be a non-contact serving opportunity that you can put together these care packages that they deliver to uh, their special needs uh, members and family around our city during this time of COVID. We, we partner with UGM, who meets needs really well of the homeless population in our city. Serve Spokane that we already highlighted. You saw what they do on the weekly basis of giving food away. Bite to Go, who as part of Second Harvest, who ensures that food insecure children have food on the weekends when they're not in the school building. World Relief, who is a, a part of helping uh, uh, um, people come into the United States that are um, refugees and get them placed with housing, uh, food, essentials, and work here in Spokane that there are people that we get to partner with and then go and serve our community who are reaching those areas of Samaria. And when we're talking about the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, you know, it doesn't matter near as much what we do on Sunday as much as what we do Monday through Saturday. We get an opportunity to serve our community, to give back to our community, to meet real needs. We'll be able to serve together give together, and love our neighbors well. Now, sometimes we can get a guest mentality versus a host mentality at church. But we have to understand that we are all disciples and family members of one larger church family, that we are all missionaries in our community. And so I actually have some exciting news for you. For you. That actually in two weeks, we're going to be adding a third service here at North Church, which is great. Now, it changes maybe what service you might attend because we're going to have an 8.30, 10, and 11.30 versus 9 and 11 a.m. But this is important because not only are we able to continue to meet the spiritual need of those in our church and in our community, but due to the restrictions that we have, that the governor's put in place, that we can only have so many people inside our building at one time. So, hey, instead of adding people in one, one room at one time, we'll just continue to add services as people continue to uh, uh, come back into the church. So we're going to be doing that. But what that also does is that allows us to take on this host mentality, which is not a guest mentality. I'm just a guest here. I get served here. I learn here, and then I leave. But we get to have this host mentality as we open up a whole new service. That means we have a whole wide array of serving opportunities within our technical arts, our worship team, our lobby presence, our, our parking lot, our children's ministry downstairs, that we do not have it all covered, but we have this opportunity that we can serve our, our church well in our community, and we can serve those in Spokane, and we can give as well. 
that God is still at work. God's still at work. And as this series progresses, my heart is that we would serve as a family together. My heart as this series goes on is that we would give as a family together. That we have a goal of raising $20,000 and then just giving it completely out, every penny, to nonprofits. That we would serve and give and love as a family would do that together. Because God's still at work. Even in the midst of COVID and even in the midst of everything that's happened, God is still at work. He's still moving. He's still moving on the hearts of people. And we get to be a part of that. And you might be thinking as we talk about this, like, I don't know if I have gifts. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know what I have to offer. I don't know if I can reach my neighbor. I don't know if I can love my neighbor. What do I got to go walk across my yard and knock on his door? Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, how am I supposed to go serve the unborn? Or, you know, it can feel like a little daunting and nebulous, and I don't have all the skills, and I don't have all the knowledge, and I don't know what I need to do. I don't have all the Bible knowledge. What if someone asks me a tough question? You know, one of the best answers you can give is just, I don't know but I'll get back to you because it puts a value on the conversation that you have and saying, I want to continue this and keep moving forward. But you know what I love is that God has a long history of using broken, broken, foolish people throughout the Bible. So if you just need a reminder today, as we move into this series of loving people and fulfilling the whole gospel, the great commission, the great commandment, serving our church, our city and our world, Let me remind you of the people that God has already used in the Bible. Adam and Eve lied, but God did not abandon them. Abraham and Sarah were old, which means that they no longer were very useful to their society and honestly had serious marriage problems. Noah was a drunk. Jacob was insecure. Joseph was abused and sold into slavery by his own brothers. Imagine the emotional damage that that would have. Moses had a stutter and had confidence problems and also was a murderer. Esther was an orphan. Elijah struggled with mental health and depression. Gideon was poor. Rahab was a prostitute. David has a list way too long for this sermon alone. Jonah was rebellious and was unwilling to listen to God and literally hated the Ninevites. Martha was a workaholic. Thomas had doubts. Matthew was a tax collector who worked for the oppressing Roman Empire. Paul worked at persecuting the church, and Timothy was timid about his faith. The good news is that we can add our name to this list as well that God can use you too. In spite of your fears and in spite of your timidity, in spite of your life and your sin or your situation, God, the good news is that God is here for you, is that God has loved you. The good news is that he's rescued you. The good news is that he has hope and life for you. The good news is that in spite of the situation that we're in, he is here, he is for you, he is with you, he is not against you, and he wants to use you to make a profound impact, not only in our church or our city, but in our world. And you can make that impact. There are simple things that we will unpack in this series that says we believe in the whole gospel, which is the great commission and and the great commandment that both married together is the whole gospel and will present practical things that you can serve here. You can serve there. 
You could go reach your coworker like this. You could love this person like this. You could invite someone to eat a meal with you and listen to them. That we'll present things that you can do. And I believe that God wants to use you in that. That is not just for a pastor. That is not just for someone like Bob Pritchard or, or John Loringer. It is not just for people like that. It is for you to fulfill. God said, you all go and make disciples. You all love your neighbor well. And in this series, I believe that God will work on our hearts. That the areas in which need to be turned around, God will do that. But you have value to him. You have purpose to him. And that we can love our community in times of need. We can, we can come together in times of need around our church. We can do this. The good news is that God loves you. And he asked you to go and love others as he has loved you. But there's no greater love than this, than for one to lay his life down for another. That we are to go and love in that spirit. That the whole gospel, the great commission and the great commandment would be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are believing throughout these next four weeks, God, that you have something for us. God, we are believing that you will do great and mighty things. Lord, would you inspire us to share the good news of your gospel, share your good news to those who are lost, share your good news to those who are hurting. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we need you. God, would you use us, use this church that needs would be met, souls would be won, justice would be had, and that every knee would bow and every eye would turn to you, God. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We pray this in your name.
Church, we stand with me. Can we sing? There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Come on. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me.
We pray that you will give us the courage and the boldness, Lord, to press, Lord, beyond these four walls, to press past our comforts, Lord, and to lean into those people in need. Lord, we need your empowerment. We need your filling of your spirit to enable us to love our neighbors well. So I pray right now, in this time, in this space, you will embolden us. Embolden us. And right now, begin to press upon our minds the people you want us to reach. The ways you want us to serve. The ways we can be a part of your mission. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online. We're super glad that you are here with us today. If something in the message spoke to you or you're just in some need of prayer, we do have pastors on standby that are wanting to pray with you. They're eager to pray with you and talk with you about what you learned in the message today. Go ahead and hit the prayer link at the bottom of the page and they'll be ready to pray with you. If this is one of your first times, thank you so much for checking us out. We would love to get into contact with you. Please click the connect link at the top of the page. We would love to help you find a community of people that is good for you and your growth in Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you.